Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Resilience Live. This is episode 100. Woohoo! I honestly feel like it has gone so fast. When I really go back and think about, wow, I'm in episode 100, I just can't even believe it. And technically, you know, this might be episode 50, if you think about, because every episode is English and in Spanish. But because it is episode 100, I'm going to celebrate it regardless of. And for today, we are going to be talking, we're still in May, we're going to be talking about this topic of mental health. We are on May is considered like mental health awareness and all that. And a lot of people are talking about it. So I might as well share my own views about this topic, mental health in general. And I'm also going to share a little bit of my own struggles with it, my journey on how to work through it. And I'm going to be giving some announcements at the end. So I'm so excited for this episode. Thank you for being here and let's jump in. Okay. So I'm going to start with defining mental health. And I'm going to do it not from like the Oxford, Webster, any kind of dictionary mode. I'm going to do it more as if somebody asked me how to define mental health, what comes. I mean, I made some notes about it, but that's kind of like what's going to come out. So it's not necessarily a professional definition or something like that. But for me in general, to make it simple, mental health is your own measure of well-being. And what I mean with that is it's kind of because health, you know, it varies depending if you have good health, but what it measuring in terms of mental is not about thoughts, it's more about well-being in general. And when I say that, I am referring to several different things and I'm going to go one by one. Number one, you know, this is all about resilience and we talk a lot about overcoming life adversities and traumas. So the first one, obviously for me, will be your ability to regulate. And in order to do that, it's also about your ability of self-awareness, of awareness of where you are and then how to regulate yourself. And when you're able to regulate yourself easier, that can contribute to a better overall mental health. And then the opposite is also true. It also is a measure of the whole well-being on your emotions, how you not only recognize them, but also feel them. How much can you tolerate? Which goes back, all of this goes back, a lot of them, to being regulated in the nervous system. But in general, if you really go back into your emotions, how well are you to recognize your emotions and tolerate them and be able to feel them? And the more that you're able to do that, in a way, because nothing in extremes, everything, things in excess can also be damaging, right? So it's not that you're feeling your emotions all the time. It's also that you're able to discern when and how much can you do, depending on the scenario, but still attending to it. And what I mean with that is, for example, as a mom with little ones, I am flustered with a lot of things. I'm overwhelmed. 
and something happens and I feel my emotions that I just want to like start screaming and crying. And there is one thing of just feeling it and letting like letting it and actually screaming and crying. But I also don't want to like scare my kids necessarily. So I might say something like and I might have like a little teary eye or something. And that's the moment that I discern this is not the space to like allow for all of that right now. But I can listen and tell myself, I hear you. I see you that you're feeling like you're about to start crying, like kind of like ugly cry or any of that. So what can you do to give yourself a little like love and and to help you regulate about that? And then we can explore that later on when you're on your own. You can also in that moment ask for help, maybe text your partner, text a friend or someone that can come and attend to the children. And if that's not available, then going upstairs to a bathroom break and maybe crying there, you know, whatever you need to do. And it's not to go into the extreme of if you don't show your emotions you know, at all with your children. I think that's important because they're also seen, but then being able to, in that moment, it's going to become something else because now they're going to be seeing you and then, you know, it can become something huge and different. And then now you're going to be attending not only to yourself, but also you have little ones that need to be co-regulated too. And then that can add into the rage or the frustration or emotion that you're feeling. So a little bit about that. It also, well-being is also in regards to your thoughts. And it's not about the thoughts that come into your mind because day by day, let's normalize having weird thoughts. <laughs> I guess that could be a hashtag, normalize weird thoughts. We all have them. We all experience them. We might not all share about them or say it because then they might think you're crazy. But to be honest, we all have hashtag weird thoughts. The thing is, what happens right after? Do you feel them and then they take over? And then how do they impact your thoughts, your way of being, your relationships? Or do you get them and you see them and you go like, oh, I see you. Okay. And you let it run its course and kind of move out. And or are you like in the middle of the night, you had a weird thought and then that becomes like, oh no, I need to manage this. I can't go here. And then that's going to take and impact your sleep. So that's what I mean. So everything is kind of, I know, a little more complex than just bullet points. But in general, what's the quality of your thoughts and how are you able to kind of not control? And that's not the purpose that I recommend at all, but more so of like witnessing without letting it stick that long. And that takes a lot of practice. One of the things that helps the most for that is mindfulness and meditation practices, because the more that you kind of practice that quote unquote, because it's not real muscle, but quote unquote, your mind muscle, then the easier it will be for you to practice that release and letting go and for thoughts not to stick on you and then like <laughs> become way more. It also is about the quality and of your behaviors. And what I mean with your behaviors, then I'm talking more about what are you doing in general? Like, and are these behaviors like self-sabotaging? Are they supporting what you want, who you are, and who you're becoming? Or are they a response to managing distresses and not wanting to deal with things and all those kind of things? So what behaviors is a huge kind of piece, but as I'm talking about this in general, it's more about what are your behaviors and how much you get in trouble, all those kind of things that you can explore in terms of your well-being. And one thing that could be really helpful is to sit down and write the behaviors that 
promote your well-being, the same with your thoughts, emotions, and anything that I'm discussing right now. As a side note, what you could do is like take this and then explore and journal and write what are the thoughts that help you or what can you do when the thoughts come and they are sticking on you like how can you release that and all those kind of things to promote well-being the other thing is sensations and body of course i'm going to bring the body and over here i'm also talking about aches and pain tension when we have a lot of pain in our bodies it's really hard to hard to be in well-being and i think most of you have experienced some kind of pain or ache in your life and there's people that are on a daily basis with pain in their bodies, different areas, headaches, stomach aches, pains in their joints and all those kind of things. So the more pain you have, the less well-being. There also is, I'm going to add spiritual, I believe. And what I mean with here is not necessarily like religious, that could be helpful, but whether, you know, what are your thoughts and do you make sense of that or sense of others and the world and like what happens after we die and all those kind of things that can contribute to well-being. That's why I'm adding it here. And what I'm referring that it can contribute specifically is when you feel certain that you're not alone in this world and then there's a higher, there's so many different words, but there's something else that it's here and that there's a purpose behind it that can make living through this life and a little bit more, you know, it can add into that well-being. You might feel like you're cruising more than bumping into everything. And also, there are some spiritual and religious beliefs that can actually make well-being less, depending if you believe like in that you're going to get like go to hell and for things that happened to you that somebody did that you're going to, you know, um, not be forgiven and, and all those things can actually add into stressors and to a lot of behaviors that might not contribute to your well-being a lot of people end up doing you know dissociating or end up doing like drugs or alcohol or getting into not necessarily the best relationships because a lot of times of their spiritual or religious beliefs so you know it's like a double sword in a way i think everything but this one in particular and i'm adding it here because what i've noticed in my life and working with clients is the ones that feel connected to others, that for the most part, this world is a friendly, loving place, that there is a higher power, God, energy, nature, whatever you want to call it. And I know when I'm saying this, I don't want to be dismissive. It's more of there's so much diversity in terms of beliefs. So I'm trying to be as inclusive as possible. And Whatever you call that, if you feel that that is there to support you, to love you, and that after you die, you're either going to connect or go there back. It's like a little kid feeling like they have a parent that's taking care of them, as opposed to a kid that is by itself and doesn't feel like alone. Um, that's kind of how I see it. The other one is more relational. This is so important. We are social animals. And the quality of our relationships at many, you know, for the most part can dictate a lot of our well-being. It starts with even our caregivers, whether our caregivers were supportive, loving, safe, and all those kind of things that can impact your well-being, not only 
from a psychological, like if you want to separate it, but also from a neurobiological, that's going to set your life more to experience less well-being, let's put it that way. So it's super, super, super important. And that in itself is like another episode. But then what I wanted to focus is the quality of your relationship with yourself. And that is also kind of like I put a little over here about the internalized oppression, internalized abuser, internalized misogyny, you know, all those kind of things. Because when we receive that from the outside for a long time, then we also kind of create our own ways of internalizing it. And that continues to perpetuate the behavior that we actually don't want. So the more that we continue to do that, that is also going to impact our well-being. There's also financially, I want to do an episode about this as well. I think it's so important when we don't have enough to provide for ourselves and for others, for little ones, for, for anyone that we're taking care of, that is going to lower your sense of well-being. It is really hard and it might, you know, it might be sustainable for a little bit, but the longer it, it goes, then the harder it is. And that's just going to lower it. You're, you're going to be in a survival mode. You're going to be focusing in finding ways to provide for yourself and for others. You're not probably going to have that much time to feel regulated and be able to experience joy and do things that you enjoy because you're going to be really focused on that. So that is a big one in this whole measurement of well-being. I also added purpose. And what I mean with here is I've noticed in life in personal experience and with clients and loved ones is that when people don't have a sense of purpose or that they're actually fulfilling their purpose, that adds another layer of feeling unfulfilled or not feeling like their well-being measurement is a little bit lower. Over here, there's so many more, like I can add shelter. If you don't have a place that you feel safe to go to sleep, to be there when you need to rest, that is also going to add, you know, our bodies when we don't eat well, and we don't sleep well, that's going to add into our affect. It's going to be lower. Our well-being in general is going to be negatively impacted. And I can go on and on about all the different factors, but I wanted to mention this one's as part of the whole wheel of well-being. So that's about that. The other thing that I wanted to talk a little bit then is my own struggles with mental health this year. And I think, I mean, I've mentioned several of them, but in summary, what I wanted to say was what I wanted to say about that, my own struggles. I feel that right before 2020, 2019, I was on this path of really understanding and taking action toward being less of a go-go hustler person. And I joined Kate Northrup's program. I started really evaluating the work that I was doing and how much I was doing for free and how much I was giving of my time. And part of it, you know, like really exploring how a lot of it had to do with how I was brought up. A lot has to do with my own intergenerational trauma that a lot of people can relate to in regards to being a minority, being oppressed, the whole, the colonization, all those factors that made my ancestor experience a lot of hardship, not only in their work, but even in the, with their basic needs of food and shelter. So my ancestor that 
quote unquote, overcame those and were able to make it. That's another under quote. In this life, meaning being able for them making it was being able to have a house, being able to have a shelter, being able to own it, a shelter, a place to live, be able to financially be okay and to be able to provide to their family, all those kind of things, they made it. They made it and they passed those values to me. And a lot of the values that they were passing to me were the values of things that they had to do, you know, of just saving lots of money and being very adamant about high risk in many things, of working and giving your best all the time. Sometimes that meant self-sacrificing or, you know, your body and and your relationships and your well-being and all these kind of things. And all those values that I thought were amazing, I had a big epiphany in 2019 and started exploring, hmm, are these values continue to be things that I value now? Like, where are they in the value scale for me? And Are these values also getting in the way of me of the next stage? And something that I've been reflecting a lot is that in this life, it's very interesting, but a lot of times when we learn something to get to the next stage or the next step, a lot of times we have to like let go of what we learn. And I've heard that saying so much, what got you is not going to get you there. And for me, that was like, what do they mean with that? And now I'm getting it. What got my parents? And my grandparents into owning homes, into, you know, being financially okay for the most part and, and all those things, which it was a lot of hard work. It's not going to get me not necessarily, especially as a millennial. <laughs> Anyone else who's listening who's a millennial, we've gone through so much. And that whole like work and do your best all the time, it's not equaling or it's not becoming money. <laughs> I wish that was true, but that wasn't for me. And I did work my behind off. (laughs) Just going to say my butt off. I did work so, so hard to get my PhD. I worked so hard to complete my internship. I worked so hard with many things. And at times I feel like I'm working double of someone else that is more privileged or, you know, that did not struggle with the language barrier, all those kind of things. And it's not translating into money. Otherwise, I will be in a very different place right now. So then what my parents try to instill in me, what my grandparents try to instill in me is not longer going to help me necessarily. It's actually perpetuating this cycle of anxiety, of body issues, a lot of autoimmune stuff or chronic illnesses and all that that a lot of them experience as a result of overworking And I don't want that. And I don't want to pass that to my kiddos. And as I'm saying this, I'm also reflecting that this aspect of me focusing more on relaxing and taking care of me, eating better, exercising self-care that I don't recall. I mean, I did see my dad exercising quite frequently. Part of it was like he was in the military for several years. So that kind of habit translated into continuing his life. But I don't recall seeing my grandma exercising or being like, let me try to eat more vegetables. She might eat it, but she, you know, none of that was modeled necessarily. 
and my mom either. Yeah, there was a moment that she started walking, but it was very small in that whole window of me being with them. So, and perhaps that's not what my kids are going to need, but that's what's going to help me to get to the next stage, me to start breaking that pattern. And sometimes it can be a stop. And then maybe my kids will need to hustle again and, you know, cycles of life. I don't know. But being open and knowing that what helped you might not continue to help you. And that's what I, going back to 2019, I was clear about that. And then I found out I was pregnant and I'm like, okay, here's an opportunity to rest more. And I did for a bit. And then my calling, I feel like kept knocking on my door and doesn't stop. Sometimes I'm about to go to sleep. And I know some people like are worrying a lot about their lives. For me, it's like I get intrusive thoughts and ideas. Let's put it quote unquote intrusive. Like all these ideas, um, sometimes it's what I have to do. It's based on anxiety. But sometimes I get like really great business ideas or stuff to do or podcast episodes. And it has been so hard to quiet that and not take the phone even after I close my eyes, not take the phone and start writing or Googling that idea that just came. And to be able to let it go and if it's for me to that it will come again, because I was what got me here with my PhD and get license and all that was one of my motto songs was you only have I mean, I don't know the title, but the Eminem song, you only have one shot. I really, really believe that I really believe that life sometimes you have one shot and you have to take it or you lose it and then you might lose that opportunity. And that idea is very, it's based on scarcity. And now I'm realizing that's not helping me either. And sometimes I notice myself telling something to my kiddo or something like, well, it's now your chance or never. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, you might not have that chance again, but, you know, how can we also teach that if it's for you, it will come back? And that's something else that I'm learning of releasing it and trusting that I'm giving exactly and I'm doing exactly what I need to do. And that by taking care of me, like today I went and took a yoga class in person because I, yeah, this month is, there's a lot going on, including like personal like activities, babies turning on tomorrow. Actually, as I'm recording this, you're going to get that after. My son turns, you know, birthday next month and my sister is getting married. There's a lot going on that I'm helping on the back end or personal. So I needed that little break. And there was part of me that was like, well, I have the babysitter. You have to work. You have to sit down and record the episode early. And I had to let God go and be like, no, I'm going to go over there. And that's going to be part of me continuing this work of putting body first, putting me first. It has been so hard. As I'm saying this, it has been so hard, especially as I feel like the world, U.S., I'm talking specifically about U.S., really, 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 really emphasizes and like give trophies and, you know, and, and all this kind of, what's the word when you get, it's like being reinforced and being celebrated when you do hard things, when you achieve hard things, regardless of that it's, you know, regardless of if you achieve something and you self-sacrifice, we celebrate more the achievement than actually putting on a balance and being like, wait, you accomplished this, but then you lost X, Y, Z, you know, all those kind of things. And that 
it's so hard because for somebody like me that naturally just wants to go there, and I know <laughs> that if I would have worked how I would have done in the past, I would be somewhere else. Like, for example, the podcast probably will have more listeners, will be larger the audience. I probably would have done all this plan that I had to like promote it more, engage more and collaborate more with different places. And my social media account probably will be like higher. Maybe I will have like this stupid swipe up thingy so I can share more things. You know, I know that because a lot of the people that accomplished that was in that way. Just because you can doesn't mean that you have to. And that's something that I keep telling myself. So it's really, really hard to slow down and to be able to let go of all these ideas and knowing that my time is perfect. What has really helped me in this journey, I would say number one is the first person that kind of helped me with this kind of quote unquote medicine and really paying attention to me and going back to me and my cycles and life and all that was it's well she is continually Kate Northrop with her program origin her mastermind I think she was the first one that I kind of like shook me out of my train that was like going thousand miles without stop and then slowly it's so interesting that I'm able to kind of see other people that look more like me and even indigenous people talking about all that that it was always there I just I just couldn't see it. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Bye. Kind of like I'm in my train. I'm going super fast. I cannot stop in all the stops to just enjoy the stop. That has been part of now I'm discovering all these indigenous accounts or people of color accounts, POC um, accounts that are teaching similar things and that are also supporting that, which is really, really cool. The other person that I don't give that much credit is my hubby. He is... For some things, he's a very go, go, go. But for some others, he's more of a slow, take, takes a long time to make decisions. So he, I feel like in the past, I would say like he holds me back. But now at the same time, I mean, sometimes he's like the opposite. And I'm like, okay, I need to push you and pull you a little bit. I think that's part of our relationship. I'm pulling him to like, come on, urgency. Like, let's take this seriously. And he pulls me like, um, no urgency. We can do that later. And like, we don't have to attend to everything right now. So that's an, some someone else that has been really helpful and in that. And then the other thing is just my kids, my kids being present with them, being, you know, having to be present and let go of so many ideas when Luna doesn't nap and I had all these ideas and all this plan and I don't have childcare that day. <sighs> There's not that much that I can do. I have to really lower into the minimum necessarily. And the last thing that has propelled me and helped me in that way, which is ironic that I'm going to say, has been this pandemic. This pandemic, limited help, limited childcare has definitely lower, <laughs> yeah, like really simplified my life. And I'm taking out a lot of things that I can't do. And I continue to do so. I continue to learn things that didn't work out that I need to keep adjusting. And on that same note, one thing that I will say, well, I was going to share this at the end, but I'm going to share it now. On that same note, I've learned, I just, I kept having this fantasy in my head that by now I should have been receiving more help or that my parents would have been able to come or stuff like that, which hasn't happened. And it's been over a year of, over a year that I have not gone out to like a date night or taken like a real break for my kids. 
I only took like a two night super short trip like in October, but that was it. I haven't anything else. And I'm noticing that I need to take a break. My anger and irritability and sometimes like resentment is growing when, for example, my baby doesn't nap. And that's ridiculous in a way because she's a baby. <laughs> but it's because I haven't taken a break. I haven't rested well and I'm sleeping better, but I'm just thinking in general. Like I wake up and I'm like on a go-go since I wake up because it's like, okay, you know, getting your older, ready to go to school and all that kind of thing, come back, you know, do this. When I was breastfeeding, I'm kind of like stopping that soon. But all those kind of things, it was always something. And I finished, I say, I, I jokingly that I clock out like around 9 p.m. And at that time, you think I have energy for anything? No, I don't. So I will be taking a break from the podcast for the summer. I anticipate minimum a month and I might record some episodes that I'm batching for, you know, when we go back, but I'm not going to have, I mean, next week there'll be the Spanish one, but after that, there's going to be a break. I'm anticipating that we're going to come back in August and I'll be sharing more about that information on the Instagram and newsletter and all those kind of things, but I'm definitely needing a break. And I hope you take a break. We're also looking into planning some traveling and going places and all of that. But that's what's happening. And that's how I'm attending to my mental health. Because if I go back to read the list, you know, like how much I can regulate, definitely something that I can work and that would lower if your window of tolerance is smaller. And right now my window of tolerance is very small and slim. And I, we need to like disconnect from this crazy life, right? Right now, all I want, all I fantasize is like going to the mountains and just opening my door and seeing green and silence and water falling or like a waterfall, just a river or something. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear an ambulance, cars honking, the craziness of freeway traffic. I don't want to, I, I need a break from everything. So as I'm telling you this, my hope with this is that something resonated and something sparked in you the idea of first, how can you focus on your own well-being and mental health? What are the areas that are lacking or that are not working for you right now that maybe helped you to get here, but they're no longer serving you? And then what can you do? Because awareness is the first step, right? I was learning, you know, be awareness when I was like, raising my voice to my kids and feeling rage after my baby wouldn't want to nap or anything. And then, you know, awareness kicked in and we're like, whoa, you need a break. And it's not like, cause we take, me and my husband, we alternate Sundays, like half day, each one of us goes on our own. It's not that, it's not that little short. It's like an actual disconnect from this craziness of distance learning slash in-person slash baby slash what are we doing? What are we doing with our lives? Like if this continues or if something else happens, I feel like I haven't had the time to really like sit down. I'm, I've had it in my head to talk to my husband and be like, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? How can we raise our kids the way we want to? That's what I'm looking forward to do this summer as I take a little break from this. And where to find me? The best place to find me before I would say Instagram. I'm also my algorithm is all over the place and I don't care is another thing that I let go. But so sometimes I don't post if I can't. That's what I mean with that. And that's why the algorithm is messed up. So 
the views on things is way slim and smaller. But right now, I don't care. <laughs> I don't get paid by Instagram or anyone. And, you know, I'm like, it is what it is. It's the stage and the cycle of life where I am. And the best place that you can find me, though, is be on my email list. Over there, I'll continue to send the monthly newsletters. And if there's an event, anything that's happening, also is a place that you can just reply to that email and get access to me or my team. So that's something else. And the other place is on the Mighty Network app. And all those things will be listed right here. That's another place that I am anticipating that I will continue to be um, posting and active there. So that's it, everyone, on mental health, my journey, things that I'm doing to focus on what I need right now. And hopefully this inspired you to reflect on your well-being mental health and then take an action, even if it's small, towards something that you need to increase it and feel better. Take care. Looking forward to connect with you all. And thank you again about listening to all these episodes. Episode 100. Woohoo! Bye-bye until then. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time.